everybody. Welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. And I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the Virgin. And we're your host. Hi, Clayton. Hey, Erin. Hi. How's it going? Good. Have we talked about where you're recording now? No. I don't think so. I don't think so. You So you're recording in an uninsulated barn. Yes, an upgrade from the shed I was in. I know. A big upgrade. A big, big upgrade, though. It's beautiful, actually. Yeah. But it's, are you, like, I just, I think I can't get over how cold you must be. Because it is December. It is December. Right now I can see my breath. Oh, my goodness. But it's good to shock your body with cold. (laughs) But I think shock your body with cold is, like, jumping into a cold pool like, I think sitting in a cold room for over an hour, I think that's different. Yeah, you, know? you could be shocked for an hour. <laughs> you could be shocked for hours, I guess. It depends you could on what's be, happening. You, you could be shocked your whole lifetime. <laughs> there's there's people on the internet that are shocked 24-7. True. I've got my hands shoved in my pockets. I got my hood up. Yeah, you're just freezing cold, sitting at a bar, and I love it. Um, well, I'm getting heated up. Because we're talking about some, well, I wouldn't say it's a hot romance. Spoiler alert. No, it's it's quite tame, actually. But it is, of course, I mean, this is a huge episode, though, because it is the last Bridgerton on the way to the wedding. Yes. Bridgerton's number eight by Julia Quinn, of course, Gregory and Lucy. Um, but before we get to that, I made a big discovery, guys. And I don't mean to brag, but I found this website... Um, that shows us sort of where we rank in different podcast uh, lists on Apple Podcasts, as well as lets us see reviews from around the world. So traditionally, we're only able to see um, reviews in the United States because that's where we live. But through this, we're able to see all everyone else around the world who has been writing us very nice reviews. Um, So I just want to say thank you to everybody who's been writing reviews who isn't in the States and we didn't we only just got to see them now, and it was so nice to see them all together. Um, but there was one in particular that stood out a little bit, and so I added it to the list for us to read this this week. Do you want me to read it, or do you want to read uh, you've it? You've got to read this one. <laughs> <laughs> so this is an Apple podcast review from uh, New Zealand, which is very wow. exciting. I know. From Laura O'Laura, and it's titled For Romance Fans and Newbies. And she wrote, this is my new favorite podcast. Absolutely has got me back into reading romance novels when I drifted from the fold. Also, I'm falling in love with a sensitive, caring male host. I mean, (laughs) flattered. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's very easy to, you know, have a crush on somebody you only hear their voice. And and it's it. They're trying to put their best foot forward, which weirdly this is my best foot everyone so keep that in mind (laughs) when you listen this is me trying my best to be likable (laughs) and this is tops yeah this is you yeah it's as good as it gets (laughs) it's very sweet thank you very much uh i mean new zealand is a place that i've heard is gorgeous and i would love to visit at some point so uh it's yeah i mean i don't know what else what else am i supposed to say (laughs) <laughs> it's very nice you guys made Clayton 
blush, it's very fun for me. Well, I would blush if it wasn't so cold. Yeah, you're you're entering stages of hypothermia. Are My you- blood's a little frozen. Yeah, I'm starting to feel very, very hot. Like, very hot, which is, I think, good, right? No. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's the last stage. I'm stripping off layers. <laughs> Um, no, but seriously, these thank you so much for any reviews. That's how other people find out about our podcast through these podcast reviews, these Apple podcast reviews. So if you have a chance, just give us five stars. Write a little something if you want. If you don't want to write anything, the five stars is good enough. But mm-hmm. we appreciate any kind of feedback. And that's really when people ask, how can I support your podcast right now? That's the number one thing is just write a review, whether you're in New Zealand or Zimbabwe or Cleveland, you know, (laughs) anywhere. The far corners of the earth. Yes. Um, Awesome. So obviously this week we read On the Way to the Wedding, like we said before, number eight in the Bridgerton series. We're saying goodbye to the Bridgertons. What did we think of the cover? So these covers are pink, mm-hmm. very pink. The original one from 2006 is, again, a another one of the huge Julia Quinn. Her name is huge in it. And then on the way to the wedding is big. And then way down at the bottom, there's a horse and buggy. Mm-hmm. Like a wedding carriage. It. I mean, a wedding carriage. And it's fine. I, I'm not huge fans of, of this series. The original book covers I'm not a mm-hmm. big, huge fan of. The second one is a chair with a bunch of flowers on it. And it's pink as well. It's also fine. Yeah, I think they're both fine. I think both of them also say romance, you know, on the way to the wedding. I think the title does as well. I mean, yes. If I had to choose, I think the 2017 is just is a little bit better. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a thing with all of the updated covers. It's basically just her name, the title, and then an object that sort of exemplifies the book. And so this it's a wedding bouquet, which is great. I mean, it's good. It's cohesive, I think, for all of the books in the series. So, yes, you know, Um, but what was this book about? So this book was about. Gregory Bridgerton, the youngest boy of the Bridgertons, and he is at a function. Well, he's his family wants him to marry because everybody else is married or getting married, and he needs to he needs to Esther get off the P, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so he's at a function, he sees a woman across the way and falls instantly in love and that is not lucy that is her friend hermione and there's a whole section of this book where lucy is hermione's best friend and she's trying to help gregory get hermione because hermione is going to marry this guy that she doesn't like she thinks he's and she also thinks that she's not actually in love with him she doesn't know why hermione's like acting as if she's madly in love and Hermione does end up not marrying that guy. She ends up marrying Lucy's brother because they're they're in they get um she gets compromised in a 
I guess flower like a what would you say that place is where all the flowers were? The orangery. The orangery. It's like a greenhouse kind of. Yeah. So that happens, and then the rest of the book is just Gregory trying to get Lucy to marry him instead of marrying the person she is betrothed to, who is a guy who is not into women mm-hmm. and is only getting is only marrying her to keep up appearances and Lucy's uncles who uncles who she has lived with or not lived with but raised her if you can say raised her kind of put her in a private school he he's being blackmailed about her father who was a traitor to his country there's a lot yeah there's a lot you find out but um do you want to talk about like first impressions of the book or well i gotta i gotta review this book with a caveat because i admittedly am feeling some bridgerton fatigue Mm -hmm. we've read seven books in a row gregory Anytime he appeared in the previous books, it was usually him and Hyacinth, and their relationship is annoying to me mm-hmm. because they're such little brats to each other. Even as adults, they are bratty. And that when the, when Hyacinth shows up in this book and Gregory starts acting like his old self, I cringed. Yeah. Because I hate, I just hate that. It makes him look so bad. It makes them both look so bad. And I'm a Hyacinth fan. I like her. Mm-hmm. And it, I think that's that might have crept into this, which is unfortunate because we want each one of these episodes to be somebody able to listen to it and know whether to read this book independently. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try my best to talk about this book independently from the other ones in the sense of, is this a book you would just pick up and read randomly if you wanted to read a Bridgerton that wasn't one of the most popular ones. Because I don't think this is the most popular one, correct? No. I mean, I would say Romancing Mr. Bridgerton. I mean, The Duke and I is definitely the most popular, the first one. And then, yeah, The Viscount Who Loved Me and Romancing Mr. Bridgerton are the other ones that I think are talked about the most. So I will then say, with all that preamble, I was not really a fan of this book. I think this is my least favorite. Mm Mm-hmm. What did you think? Yeah. This was my favorite of the Bridgertons. And this is one of those where looking back, when we started doing the reread, I was sort of like, well, uh, is it really my favorite? Is it just the one that I read last? So I remember it the most. I mean, I've loved a lot of these books. I loved When He Was Wicked. Obviously, love Romancing Mr. Bridgerton. Love The Viscount Who Loved Me. You know, I thought all those books were special, but for some reason, this book is the one that is like, that I I really love the most. And it's one, um, you know, so normally, I don't know, to give you a, a peek behind the curtain, like normally we try to read these books as close to when the we record uh, as possible. So it means sometimes we're reading these books in a very compressed amount of time. Just because of poor planning, I ended up reading basically the entire book yesterday. Um, And I have to say, I really loved every moment of it. And I think this book is really great for a few reasons. I like that it is 
a mirror to the Viscount who loved me, which is sort of the first one reread, but the second in the series, where it is this sort of love triangle going after the wrong person, falling in love with their friend, but it's told in a different way that I think is really fresh. Um, I mean, I agree that Gregory and Hyacinth are like kind of annoying with each other. I mean, I love Hyacinth. I love a brat. But I think it it irked me less. I think maybe it's because, I don't know, because I have a brother and we can have an antagonistic relationship. But it felt very... um, you know, when they did act that way, it felt kind of like light and silly and sort of the way that you sort of revert back to your childhood uh, as a child when you're around your siblings. And I just thought that Gregory was a very interesting hero. And I think we have a lot of, you know, Julia Quinn, arguably, I think, you know, Sarah probably, Sarah McLean probably said this, but like Julia Quinn arguably invented the idea of a cinnamon roll, these like very sweet, nice here, non-alpha heroes. And I think Gregory is certainly that. Um, but it's also just really nice to have a hero who like so believes fully in love when so many heroes are running from love or don't believe in love, or don't want to fall in love or are holding back reading about somebody who just wants to go in full with his full self, I thought was really interesting and different. And I think I just really loved Gregory for that reason. Um, And then I thought that Lucy was a really great uh, counterweight to that in that she's somebody who's had like a very disappointing life. She's an orphan. She's raised by an uncle who is not close to her. Her brother and her seem to have a good relationship, but he was always away. She sort of goes through the world thinking, oh, well, if everything is just so, then like nothing will go wrong. She wants to manage everybody around her. And she has sort of the more pragmatic view and I just thought that that was an interesting interplay. And also, like, this book is, like, a little wacky, which I like, too. Um, you know, because some of the Bridgerton books can be quite, like, you know, we've enjoyed them. They're very, very character-driven. Some of them can be a little bit, you know, what are we reading for? Where I feel like this one, there was always a big thing driving the plot in a different way. Um, so, Yeah. I, I mean, I loved it. I, I think this is still my favorite Bridgerton. Which was might it be your? F- well, I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm sh- I don't know if it's the cold or or actual shock. There's a lot happening to my body right now. But <laughs> was this your favorite before when you when you were when you read the the whole series? Yeah, I I read this last and it just really stuck with me. And I thought it was a really great conclusion to the series. I thought it was really, really well done in that way. Um, So and and the second epilogue, which I know you didn't read, I thought was like also very beautiful. It was hard to read anything past the fact that, spoiler, obviously we spoil the books, but we're jumping right to the epilogue here. (laughs) They end up with nine kids. That's so many including a set of twins. There's always twins at the end. So here's my thing with this book. Gregory, I agree. He, He wants to fall in love. My issue with Gregory is that he does it multiple times. (laughs) So for me, he's too finicky and doesn't have the I don't believe when he falls in love. 
because you had two characters in this book that were so flighty and so easy, easy to fall in love. Like Hermione was the same way. She was in love with this this guy that she barely knew. And then she had breakfast with Gregory and she felt flutters. And then she ends up with Lucy's brother because she felt flutters again. I have a hard time with care. Like love is serious to me, right? Mm-hmm. Love is not a joke. Love is not something that is flippant. It's not something that you can really, your heart isn't, true love isn't, so easy to flip on and off and move from person to person. Mm-hmm. So when and I know it's a romance novel, I know, but with when Gregory goes from Hermione to Lucy, I just don't trust it. I just don't trust that he could fall that madly in love with two people that quickly. I mean, this all happened so quickly. Yeah, I think you know the romance timeline is always a, a very fast timeline too, but. Yeah, I mean, I hear you, but I also think there's something to him wanting it so badly. So when he just sees a woman that he's like, oh, she's very attractive, instead of a normal person being like, oh, that's a very attractive woman, like, I want to get to know her, he overshoots the mark. And it's like, I am in love with her, and she's the only one for me, which is not true, obviously, because he doesn't end up with her. But Lucy, having been Hermione's best friend, knows that many men do this. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not a unique. It's not a unique thing. It actually makes him very basic in that he falls in love with Hermione because she actually. I mean, I know she's not a main character, and I know she was super hot, but there was really nothing to her that would make me think why. Oh, Gregory definitely would be in love with this person. Well, I think and that's again, kind of the point. I get that. I get that. It's just he didn't land with me. I was never on Gregory's side. I liked Lucy because I, I do think Lucy is, like you said, somebody who is looking out for other people. She wants things in order. I totally I totally see where she's coming from with a lot of things. And the other thing about Gregory, though, and his mom even says this, is that you never had to try for anything. Right. You never... You you never had to try. Everything came to you. You're really a privileged dude. And he doesn't take that badly. He At first he thinks, oh, is she trying to talk shit about me? Is this, this is weird. But she's just stating the facts. And she's happy about that because a lot of people have had really hard lives. And he hasn't had a hard life. So it is also hard for me to see him who just traipsed through life, literally, Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had tragedy in his life because his father passed away, but he was so young that he, Anthony was his father. And he even says that. He even says, well, Anthony was a good dad. Yeah. And and so I understand, like, there was tragedy there, but he did have a great life. And it's very, I don't know, it was just hard for me to root for him because his level of passion was so scattershot that I just, you know, obviously he has nine kids with this woman, so he's not going anywhere. <laughs> but like, who knows? He just looks at another woman and 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 falls madly in love. I just don't trust it. I trust Lucy's love. I don't trust Gregory's love. Yeah, I mean, I do think that the big difference is with Hermione. It was certainly lust, and I think the thing with her too is she is an interesting person and a kind person, and she does have all these traits. But kind of Lucy is the only one that ever sees them because 
she is so beautiful that nobody really takes the time to get to know her. Just they're just like, oh, she's beautiful. I want to be with her. And I think Hermione kind of knows that. And that's why then when she's around these men who are falling all over themselves for her, she is like purposely not interested and not engaging with them and, you know, barely talking, you know, for all of those reasons. And I think that that is, you know, it's like a coping method. And then I think the thing that's different about when he sees Lucy at the ball, it's like he's already in love with her at that stage. Because when he finally feels that for Lucy, like they've already made out at the house party, he's come upon her while, you know, and they're throwing bread at the birds together. Um, And he already knows that he's comfortable with her. And then when he sees her and, you know, and it's a it's a fancy ball and she's all like gussied up and stuff. It's a it's it's a realization of love. And it's sort of like when you see that person that you love. You know, sometimes I feel like it just sort of like surprises you or shocks you that you're just like, oh, I love this person so much. And, you know, I did like that scene. I I did. That actually did resonate with with me. I mean, again, it's readable. It's it it, there was there was no time where I where I felt like it was a slog. Mm -hmm. But I also, you know, half of this book is him trying to get with Hermione. And then the whole race to the orangery to try and stop Lucy's brother from compromising Hermione. It, 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 everybody gets involved with it. Uh, Kate, who is Gregory's sister-in-law, everybody's running to, to try and stop this. I just felt like what what are we why are we doing this? Why is this so important? Like I get why it's important in that world, but to me I just felt this doesn't matter to me. Can we just get to the love story here because I don't know, it just seemed it it there's so much that happened in this book that that didn't I feel like pertain to the two main characters that I wanted to get to know more and I I felt like I never really got to know them as well as I wanted to. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I do think that 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 beginning part is the love story, too. You know, like that's sort of the time when Lucy falls in love with him. And also, I think Lucy, you know, it has been betrothed to Lord Halsby since she was like a child, basically. And I think that Lucy also just like doesn't believe that love is for her. Like all she wants is to have one season so that she can dance because she loves dancing and isn't able to have that ultimately but I think when she first sees Gregory Bridgerton I think she falls in love with him a little bit and wants him for herself and I think she's like well I think subconsciously she's sort of like well I'm not going to be able to be with this person because I'm already engaged and that's already sort of wrapped up but maybe I can keep him in my life if he ends up with my best friend and so it's these weird machinations of not wanting not outwardly wanting the thing that you actually want. So you sort of go about it in all these funny, weird ways um, that I thought was interesting. And I think that also like shows a lot about her as well as Gregory during that time. So, I mean, I disagree. I think that is all part of the love story. Like I get it that you're one of those people who like, you can't stand if the hero or heroine is with anyone, but the, the hero or heroine. I don't mind it. If it was more, interesting than this and that's not to be a jerk about it Mm -hmm. i just had a hard time being invested 
in the Gregory Hermione situation because I knew he was eventually going to end up with Lucy. Mm-hmm. And I know that it was building to something. And like you said, it is part of the love story. It is part of Lucy finally thinking, this. I want what I want. And I can't keep thinking about everybody else all the time. Which is huge for her. I don't know. It just... I, I'm trying to put my finger on it. I, I like. I feel like my criticisms are just seeming like ticky tacky. And I mean, I think it's okay to just not connect with a book, and I think you just didn't connect with it. Yeah, and I guess I'm trying to come up with a like real reason that I didn't like it, and I think that's probably what it comes down to is just I didn't connect with Gregory, which I need to uh, connect with the hero, and. I want the hero to be worthy of the heroine. And in my mind, he's not. Mm-hmm. And and you could read this book and think, oh, Gregory made great strides and he definitely deserves to be with Lucy. And that's great because everybody has their own opinions. In my mind, I just, I think also it's very hard reading all the other books and, and Gregory's not in them a lot, but anytime he's in them, he's annoying as shit. Like he's, <laughs> a, he's just an annoying little shit. And I don't, I didn't really need to see this annoying little shit find love. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I did connect with Gregory so much. Cause also it's like, I think I know a lot of men like Gregory who, you know, grew up in nice families and, you know, are, are smart and um, handsome and stuff. And then they just sort of stop there. And it's always like a little bit frustrating because they don't ever have to go further. And then they kind of end up not going further. And I think for Gregory, it must be tough being, you know, seven out of eight and not necessarily having a pre-subscribed role. And also it seems like, you know, Benedict and Colin... Benedict has art and Colin has writing, have these other passions. And for Gregory, I think it's like probably pretty difficult. If you don't have a thing that you are passionate about, um, like hobby or work-wise or whatever, I think it can be really difficult. Yeah, you may have hit on something there with why I didn't like Gregory. Because what's he going to end up doing once he's married? Because he's got nothing else going on. He just got married because he just fell in love because he wanted to fall in love, or it was time. So that I think that makes that actually does make such a huge difference. Because as much as we were goofing on Benedict's paintings, at least it's something. Yeah, I think and Gregory it, has nothing. Well, I think he ends up being just like sort of running an estate that Anthony gives him, and I think it's also it's like there's something too just wanting to be married and there's something too and it seems like Gregory is a very good father and like a very devoted father in the second epilogue you sort of see that more and so I mean I do think that there's something really special about somebody just being like I I don't necessarily want to change the world I kind of just want to like be a good partner and be a good parent and whatever I have to do to make sure that that is possible you know his investments and, and sort of the things that he does is, is what I'll do. But the end is, is me being a good father and partner. And I think that there's something really, really powerful and really, really um, sweet about that because, 
you know, I think a lot of emphasis is put on sometimes these like external things that you need to do in order to contribute to the world. Where like, honestly, it's like raising decent human beings is kind of like a very big and important and difficult job. So it's like, if you can do that, that's kind of, that's a lot. And then you can reap the rewards of their achievements. Ex- then live through your children. That's okay. Now I see Gregory. <laughs> now I see you, Gregory. That's that's your plan. Pop out nine of them, and one of them's gonna pop off. Yeah. No, you can't live through your children. No. Um. But yeah, I don't know why. I just really connected this book. I mean, I think the thing is too. It's like Julia Quinn is obviously a very talented writer, and I think even her books that I didn't connect to were so eminently readable. Um. So I think this you know, characters that I connected to and then being such a readable book just really makes it an enjoyable experience. And I remember when the series was announced, sort of like Gregory's book, even though like, who knows if it'll ever be filmed because it's like the last one, um, was was always the one that I was most excited to see. So. Wow. Yeah, and I just, I felt so bad for Lucy because her whole marriage thing was such a horrible position to be in when when she finally is going to marry that dude he just checks all of like he checks her teeth and her hips and all this stuff well, that's like that's his she's, father that's not her the husband the father does it yeah. that's right cuz yeah the father's such a creep and then her uncle when she finds out that the guy she's betrothed to does not it would not be interested in 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 making love to her but he would to have a child the uncle's like well his father will take care of it if he can't get the job done i was like this is a nightmare it's disgusting yeah that was maybe one of the most disturbing things that happened in any of the books that we've read uh in this series yeah that's pretty bad the way she was just looked at as livestock and then threatened in that way Mm-hmm. And and I thought the blackmail and the treason thing, I I was not really super invested in that. There's some gunplay at the end. It's cool that someone gets shot. That's cool, but he doesn't get killed, which I understand why, because you can't make you can't make Gregory a murderer. At least it'd be something though, because then he could just be a murderer. Then <laughs> you would just have a taste for it and be like, you know what? I finally found my calling. I'm gonna have nine kids and I'm just gonna murder people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the end of this book is wacky, and I think I also enjoyed that too, because like I like a bonkers romance, and this doesn't get quite to bonkers category, but I think it like steps right up to the line where. Um, Gregory has tried to stop the wedding and then fails and then sneaks into Lucy's room and then basically kidnaps her and ties her to the water closet, which is just like, what the hell? That was a crazy, his thought process there was nuts. Oh, yeah, it was psychotic. And then he, like, goes to solve the problem. And Lucy is sort of like, listen, I don't want to be stuck to the water closet. I think I might die here because if something happens to Gregory, like, no one will ever check here. But also, I'm kind of into it, and I hope he succeeds. <laughs> I just yeah. found it really, really funny and so odd, and and I just, like, loved it. Yeah, he's he's not the best planner. He no. doesn't have great plans. He really flies by the seat of his pants. Yeah. In all things. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I... 
I, I mean, I guess I would, I wouldn't, even though this is your favorite, would you say, sorry, I, I'm just trying to collect my thoughts. Would you say you would recommend this book for somebody trying to get into Bridgerton's or would you not because it is the last one and, and would spoil a lot of stuff or it doesn't represent the Bridgerton books as well as maybe some of the other ones, even though it's your favorite? Yeah, I mean, I think if somebody was like, oh, I want to read Bridgerton's, I mean, I would probably just tell them to start with The Duke and I, letting them know sort of like the caveat about that book. But I think um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend this one because it's the last one. But I think if people are like, oh, should I keep going? I'll say the last one is my favorite. So you should probably keep going. Okay. I mean... Yeah, and I think if somebody was like, oh, I'm only going to read one Bridgerton, like this is enough of a standalone that if you don't know anything about the other characters, like I think it would be fine and you would you would understand what's happening the whole time. But I, I mean, I do think you would lose something in not knowing Gregory, knowing his family, knowing where he comes from, sort of the things that he's seen. Um, You know, I... It- I Something would be missing, but yeah, you could definitely read this as a standalone. And you would lose something with him and Hyacinth, like Hyacinth helping him out is is, is a big moment in the series, and you would lose that if you only read this one. Yeah, what a big moment that is. I mean, the moment where Gregory has like stormed into the church is, don't, I love you. Lucy still says says no like she feels like she still has to marry this guy because of the blackmail and she's standing at the altar with her you know fiance and hyacinth just comes out of nowhere and starts yelling at her that she's a coward and she's not who she thought she was (laughs) and i was like fuck yeah hyacinth like i just love that hyacinth is is ready to throw hands at a moment's notice for her family even gregory who she like because that's the thing is like they pretend to hate each other but really like they are each other's like most important person oh yeah they were stuck with each other yeah, and I think they really love each other. And I do think ultimately it's a really sweet relationship. But like Hyacinth was ready to commit murder. If Gregory had said the word, she was like, oh, yeah. And she was already plotting revenge in the carriage away from the church. She was like, well, when she does this, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to start saying this about her, <laughs> you know. And I just really like it when someone is like, I'm ready to like go to the mattresses for you. Yeah. So yeah. that was such a beautiful moment, too. I thought that was really fun. Yeah, and it, this, I mean, I am a Hyacinth fan, but this this book made me more of a Hyacinth fan. It, it did actually make me, not to talk shit about Gregory, but it made me wish that he had more of that in him. Right. Just something more. Just something, and I guess it is. I guess it's, he's a beta, most deaf. <laughs> and, I mean, a cinnamon roll. But, like, I guess I'm... It's weird. I like certain cinnamon rolls, but some I don't. I mean, I'm, I'm not 100% clear on the cinnamon roll, like what is, what isn't. If someone tells me something is, someone is a cinnamon roll, I'm like, okay, got it. But like, I don't think that Gregory is necessarily. And I guess if you think he is, let me know. Let us know. But he doesn't seem like either a beta or a cinnamon roll because I do think it's like he's hot-headed. He makes big decisions he like i don't think a cinnamon roll would necessarily like kidnap the person they love and tie them to a toilet 
necessarily. But what if it was for a, a sweet reason? Because they're, they're, they've got a sweet center, right? That's what a cinnamon roll has. I guess so. I, I've never been clear on this. I guess so, yeah. The one that resonated when somebody, when when the person, and forgive me for forgetting who, who recommended this book to us, but we are forever in your debt. My beloved, I think our beloved, Strange Love. Mm-hmm. The hero alien in that was referred to as a cinnamon roll, not in the book, but by the person who wrecked it. Mm-hmm. And that, I think he was definitely a cinnamon roll. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that he was definitely a more consistently sweet and kind person than Gregory is. Like, Gregory, I would not say is sweet or kind. I mean, he's not not he's not unkind, but I just feel like he's he has a bit of a thorn. I feel like Gregory is the kind of person to like if you were friends with him and they and he messed up and you were like, hey, like, I want to talk about sort of like what happened and, and then that you kind of fucked up. They would just be like, no, and they would leave and you would never see them again. <laughs> like, I feel right. like Gregory is, like, just conflict avoidant to the point where it is, like, a problem. You know how people are sometimes like, I just don't like conflict. And it's like, okay, well, you're causing more conflict because nothing is ever resolved with you. Yes, and you can't do bad things and walk away and say, I don't like conflict. Because you, like you said, created conflict by doing a shitty thing. Right, exactly. It's like, we just need to, like, yeah, nobody likes just yelling at somebody for the sake of yelling at somebody. But, like, we do need to talk about what happened. Um, that's a that's a beside the point. When I left, also, like, we got cameos from Colin. Colin, of course, asking to eat immediately because that tapeworm has not left him. <laughs> Yes, we need to. We need. Did what? One of these epilogues talk about his tapeworm or no? <laughs> you would have told me about that one. No, it didn't, but it should. I mean, because clearly there's a, an issue there. Well, it's weird because Lucy is a Colin esque eater. Oh yeah, Lucy loves to eat too, and not in a, like a cool girl way, and just like she just loves sandwiches way, which I think is great. But she also loved. She loves a big breakfast because she mm-hmm. normally would do the thing that I do, which is eat your first serving really fast and then go and get seconds before people realize it so that it looks <laughs> like you're only eating the same amount of food they are. Nice. And it's not to like sneak more food. It's just to keep up appearances. <laughs> because for me, appearance is everything, oh, obviously. 100%. And then we get a lot of good Violet in this book too, which I love whenever she's around and dropping the dropping the the knowledge, dropping mm-hmm. the the straight truth all over Gregory's head. Yeah, I loved it. And then Kate is a lot in the beginning of this because they meet at Kate's house at a at a house party that she's throwing and I loved seeing her too. And even though like you never really see Anthony cuz they're always just like, yeah, Anthony's working. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's such a curmudgeon now. He he doesn't mm-hmm. want to party. He doesn't want to do anything. Yeah. I would love it because I feel like so many of these books, the timelines are like overlapping in weird ways. Like if anyone has taken the time to like write out a, like a timeline of all the books, I would love to see that. Yeah, these are like the Saw movies. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but yeah. If anybody has watched the Saw movies... And I'm sure the overlap between our our fans and Saw movie enthusiasts is probably pretty large. 
if you don't want to watch these movies, just look up the 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 timeline of the Saw movies because the way they overlap is so hilarious <laughs> that uh, my friend Greg read it to us one time and we were just howling at how funny the timeline on those are. Yeah. Well, I killed it. I killed the conversation and I killed the podcast. So <laughs> see everybody. I mean, you're just talking. Bye. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. It's it, I don't have much to say about Saw. Uh, I think I saw the first one maybe, but yeah. yeah. No, because I no, I was just thinking because I'm like, Francesca's book happens during Colin's book and also during Eloise's book. And then this one happens before the epilogue in Colin's book. Yeah, it's like a lot of... Anyway, I don't know. Like, I know that there are some, you know, very passionate Bridgerton fans out there. So I'm like, somebody could have taken the time to do it. And if they had, please point me in their direction. Because I want to see it sort of like all laid out. Yeah, I think 100% somebody has done that. Yeah. Um, all right, so should we, do you have anything else to, to discuss? Any other horror films to, to bring up? To just drop in and not actually know the details of? <laughs> well, the most important question, Aaron. Uh-huh. Would you fuck them? Yes. Yes and yes. I think Gregory sounded hot and so did Lucy. I would fuck Lucy. I wouldn't fuck Gregory. I knew it. All right, so let's do Goodreads list. So first, best humorous historical romances. Yeah. Best historical romance where the quiet, unusual girl gets the guy. Um. <sighs> no. 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 I. They just put every Bridgerton on this list, which is annoying because Lucy is not quiet and she's not unusual. Like, she's well-liked and, like, very, seems to be, um, like, very normal within society. We like, need to find this person. And really ask them why they do list. Why even bother? Ask them why. Why? Why put them all on this list when it's it, – it, the only person I think it pertains to is Penelope, right? Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. Penel- I mean, good. maybe Sophie. Anyway, books with close siblings. Yeah. The books with close siblings, yes. It's the Bridgertons. Best romance book with a carriage or wagon on the cover. Depending on what version, I guess. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat. That really uh, gives you n- no knowledge of what's inside the book. So if yeah. you just read books with carriages on the front, maybe you should read books about carriages. I know. Like, not even romances, just books about carriages. Just manuals. Manuals. How to, yeah, how to maintain your carriage, how to build a carriage, carriages throughout history. Yeah. A hundred and one carriages that changed the world. <laughs> Have you ever driven a carriage? Oh, many times. Yeah. It's harder no, than never. you think. I've never, no. Why would I have ever <laughs> driven a carriage? I have. And it's hard. Professionally? No. Just like at, you know, I grew up a horse girl, obviously. And so there's like a tons, there's like different kinds of competitions you could do. Mostly what I did was eventing, which was like cross country jumping, stadium jumping and dressage. But then there was also, oh, what the hell was it called? But it was basically dressage, but you did it like in a carriage. Oh, wow. 
And it was really hard because all you do is you just have the reins and you just have to make like noises with your mouth that the horse listens to. I just never felt like I had any control. So I didn't love it. Anyway, just say it's hard. Romance with house parties. Yes, there's several. I love a house party. Maybe it's just like COVID times, but I was like, oh, can you imagine all those people under one roof? How much fun. Uh, Romance with masquerades or costume balls. There's a masquerade ball, which I think the thing about that is it was kind of maybe Julia was trying to play with our expectations, but there was not much fun with the masquerade Mm -hmm. because he immediately knows Lucy. I guess that's part of him falling in love with seeing the bottom of her of her face and seeing her seven freckles and the way her her smile is a little crooked or goes up her mouth goes up when she smiles so that's cute but there wasn't any there wasn't much fun involved with the masquerade ball they they didn't do anything really cool there yeah but i think him just sort of yeah just falling in love like just realizing a little bit more i like that she wanted to be medusa but like couldn't get her act together in time to do it <laughs> yeah that was kate right yeah yeah um, and I feel like that's very, uh, something I can relate to is having a really intricate costume that you talk to everybody about and you're really excited about. And then when it comes time to make it, you're like, oh, God damn, I don't know. This Never is impossible. Um, wedding crashers. Yeah, they crash Lucy's wedding. I love just the visual, I think, of Gregory running in, running up the aisle, out of breath, and then Colin coming in just too late, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to catch up. Um, best book boyfriends. For me, no. For some people, maybe yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I like Gregory. Obviously, we've been through this. Um, Cute and quick romance novels. I would agree. Yeah. I think this is also like a very fast read. And I do think if somebody was like, oh, I just want like a fun book to read that's not too heavy. I'd be like, yeah, On the Way to the Wedding is definitely that. There's nothing too heavy I mean, other than her maybe marrying that guy. But also, it's like you you know that you're in a romance novel. You know that they're not actually going to get married. So, Yes. The, 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 th- the things that are threatened, she's threatened with, will not come to pass. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that moment where they, have, they sleep together and then she kind of lets him believe that she's going to call off the wedding and that he's waiting outside with Colin and he sees her get in the carriage. I was like, oh, knife to the chest. Yeah. What a moment. That's rough. She said she was going to do the the right thing, and he thought it was be with him. Right. Um, well, not the that, right thing. She says something, right? She says something along the I lines of, I'll do the honorable thing, and I can't leave him at the altar. And he yeah. takes that to mean that he, she will tell him in person that morning, and she means she's going to marry him. Yeah. Um, best friends to lovers romance, male, female. No, they weren't best friends. They, they, they... Became friends, but I wouldn't say they were best friends. Well, I think it's also best friends to love a romance. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, you know what? (laughs) They need to somehow make that known to me. Yes. Uh, I think if it's best friends to lovers, then no, they weren't best friends. But I think if it's best friends to lovers, like they were friends for like a short amount of time, but like they definitely were friends. Yeah, you know. this list. Like, yeah. That's going to be confused too much. Because mm-hmm. someone's going to read this book and be like, they're not best friends. They're they're acquaintances. Like, they're friends, but they're barely, like, f- 
friends. They, you know, well, they meet during the book. Yeah, and I think that's normally, the like, thing. Best friends to romance is like they have been friends for longer. Absolutely. Than the book. Um, favorite Dukeless historical romances. Yeah, no dukes to be found. Best books involving forbidden love. It's not, I mean, it is, I wouldn't call this forbidden love. Because mm-hmm. forbidden love is there a bigger obstacle between the lovers than this. Yeah. I think if I wanted a forbidden love story and then this came, I would be like, hmm, not, you know. Like it's frowned upon. This is like frowned upon love, but not even that. It's just bad timing love. Yeah. Uh, he slash she was set to marry someone until. Yeah. Girl loves him, then leaves him one night stand. Yeah. When they, like you said, when they have sex and then she goes to marry the other guy. Yeah. She tries to make it a one night stand, but he refuses to allow that. Yeah. Arranged marriages and romance. Yes. Historical romance spares, not heirs. He's a yeah. spare. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's a spare, right? He is a spare. He's a spare? Well, he's not the Viscount. Oh, okay. I guess I didn't know what this meant. Because <laughs> he's know, not in line to, I mean, he's in line to inherit, but he just never will, right? Right. Or, like, for him to inherit, there would have to be, like, an unspeakable tragedy. Where basically his entire family and their children would have to get wiped out. A partial family annihilation. Yes. Well, it would be family annihilation if he was the one to murder everyone. Cool. Yeah. A little background. Clayton and I have been explaining the concept of of family annihilator to Clayton (laughs) over the course of a few weeks. Well, and the Um, term just drives me crazy that that it's so it's so insane to to call something annihilating like annihilating something is just turning it to dust in my mind so this Mm -hmm. if you're a family annihilator you are just like destroying your family till there's nothing left which i understand what that means in the sense of all your family members will be dead but annihilating somebody to me is way worse than murdering them because you are just grounding their bones to dust. Yeah. Well, a family annihilator, they murder everyone in their family. So their family no longer exists. Yeah. But if I'm like, if I were to say like my family got annihilated, someone would be like, did, did they use napalm on them? (laughs) Did they drop a, a very small nuclear bomb on them? Like how were they annihilated? That's just my thought when I hear annihilated. Mm -hmm. So everyone understands sort of the discussion we've been having. (laughs) I can't believe we talked about Saw movies and family annihilators on this podcast. It's mostly about, yeah, it's mostly that conversation where I'm like, it's called family annihilator. Like, here's an example. And you're like, that seems really harsh. Like, it is harsh. (laughs) Harsh, bro. Um, All right. Star-crossed lovers, forbidden romance. Sure. Young adult novels with decent love interest. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Absolutely not. I mean, there is one sex scene that I did think was, like, pretty sexy. That, like, one night stand. I was into it. Um, but I wouldn't say it's a particularly steamy romance. But then it is also, I think, a bit a steamier than a YA novel. And then finally, books that should be made into movies. It is being made into a series. But like you said, who knows if we'll reach that point. Right. I mean, I hope so. I would love it if it's sort of like this series 
Bridgerton goes on for eight seasons or more. I mean, that would be great. All right, cool. So that's those are the lists. And Clayton, what are your tropes? Heroine tries to get Hero to fall in love with best friend. That old trope. <laughs> Betrothed to someone you don't love. Lucy has a bad family. Mm-hmm. Um, interrupting a wedding. Love at first sight twice. Because I know it wasn't actually love when he saw Hermione, but it definitely felt like it for him. And acquaintances to lovers, because I wouldn't say they're friends. Yeah. Uh, what are your tropes, Aaron? So I have marrying the wrong person, orphan heroine, blackmailed into marriage, hero sneaks into heroine's bedchamber. Every time it happens, I love it. Yeah, that's great. It ha- yeah, it happens in like a lot of these books. Every time it's joy for me and I get excited. Just this once, which is like, uh, Lucy's basically like, well, we'll have sex just this once and then I'll go marry someone else and forget about him, which is like such a great lie to tell themselves. Uh, big families, dancing. Lucy loves dancing whenever they dance together. It's like a big moment for her. Um, falling in love at a house party, stopping a wedding at the altar, uh, love at first sight, in love with the wrong person, uh, beginning at the end. Because this book starts with him stopping the wedding and then we like re- rewind to sort of how it all started which i liked um yeah and so those are my tropes nice all right clayton so what has you swooning this week so my swoon is a live album from a band that i'm a, a, a fan of called war on drugs that's the band and they have a live album that came out a couple weeks ago called live drugs and it's it's really great. I mean, if anybody's heard of the band War on Drugs, they they play rock and roll, but kind of extend it out to be a little bit droney. Droney's probably a bad word. It's it is definitely rock and roll, but their songs can be pretty long, and they have a good groove to them. But they they do harken back to say like I would say like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and 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 bands like that. Maybe not as polished. But this album is really good. It's it's pretty short for a live album, and it's great to just throw on when you're just hanging out, or I put it on when I write. If you haven't heard of this band, I actually think this is probably a good introduction to them, which is rare for a live album to be a good introduction to a band. But I would say if this at all sounds interesting to you, check out War on Drugs, Live Drugs. Nice. That's what I'm swooning about. Aaron... What has you swooning? Yeah. So I'm swooning about a TV show on Netflix. And it's a show that, like, I don't know if you have heard of it, Clayton, but, like, I almost hesitate swooning about this because I feel like if you watch it, it's, like, too close to who you are (laughs) that it might be hard for you. But it is called Dash and Lily. So it is actually... I've heard about this. Yeah. So it's a YA book that is a series. And it is, like... People were talking about it a little bit on Twitter and stuff. And I was like, I need something to watch. Uh, And I put it on and immediately fell in love. And it's basically about these two people, Dash and Lily. Uh, It takes place over Christmas time in New York City. The Strand is basically the big, plays a huge role in their entire romance. It's basically about this boy who is, I think, in high school. They're both like, I think they're both like 17, 18. And they, he 
hates Christmas. His parents are divorced. So he basically like engineers it so he will be alone on Christmas because that's what he wants. And then he's in the strand and he picks up a notebook um, that Lily has left that sort of goes through like, I dare you to do this. I dare you to do that. They end up writing to each other in the notebook and passing it back and forth without meeting. And obviously falling in love through doing that, through each other's words. And it is a beautifully acted, beautifully directed, um, beautifully shot, really one uh, written great, great series. It is so much fun. It is the perfect thing to watch over the holidays. And it's the perfect thing to watch with family. If you have young kids or if you're watching with your parents, it's just, it's the sweetest show. I really, really loved it so much. I loved it too because, and this isn't a read, but like all of the characters, nobody was like that CW insanely hot person that you were like, this, that that's not a teenager. Like teenagers play, are playing the teenagers and they look like people you would actually like see out in the world, which I just appreciated. Um, so Dash didn't have like a six pack and cum gutters. Well, he is a child. He's 17. And we never see him shirtless, I don't believe. And and no, he does not look like he has that sort of physique. He just kind of like looks like a like a kid as opposed to like, you know, casting people in their mid-20s to play teenagers. Like these people. Well, like if, Riverdale. Like Riverdale. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, I don't know how old these actors are, but they look like 17. They look like the age that they're playing. Yeah, and it's just like a sweet family just really well done. Yeah, I just loved it. So yeah, Dash and Lily. I've been recommended this by Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I've wanted to watch it because it involves The Strand, one of the greatest places on earth. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to watch it now because I was afraid it was going to be Disney Channel level. But yeah. now that you say it's good, I'm going to watch it. Well, Aaron, where can they find us? So like we said at the top, please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. That is how people find us. Um, we really appreciate anyone who takes the time to do it. You can always email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com with your recommendations. What is a cinnamon roll? Do you have things you want us to watch? Um, email us there. Oh, we're also looking for maybe to watch more movies, have more movie episodes, bring in producer Patty. So if there's a movie that you would want us to watch that you think would be good for the podcast, definitely let us know. Um, Cause that'll be yeah, really deep, fun. Deep cuts. Welcome. Yeah. Deep cuts. Welcome uh, on Twitter. We're at learning tropes on Instagram. We're at learning the tropes. We have our Facebook group, the learning the tropes troop, which is a lot of fun. We have merch, which is in the show notes. So go ahead and check out that. Um, we don't know what we're doing for next week. That's a bit up in the air, but stay tuned. I think moving forward for 2021, we might be doing things a little bit differently. Um, and we are going to drop something in the feed, um, sort of letting you guys know sort of what we're planning for, at least for the rest of the month and for January. So just, you know, obviously if you haven't subscribed, subscribe and we can, uh, and we'll let you know when that's up. Um, and then finally, Learning the Tropes is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find what podcasts you love at frolic.media backslash podcast. All right, bye guys. Bye.